nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. Well, 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 welcome back to the Zico Health Show. This is weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. And today I have for you gut health coach, Ashley Ferrison. I should have to practice her last name because I thought I was going to get it wrong. But <laughs> I've known Ashley for a little while now. And she does amazing work. Like everybody I bring on this show, she does fantastic work. I mean, she helps women find their digestive rhythm. See, I play guitar, so I know about rhythm, right? But she's not going to talk about Bob Marley rhythm. She's going to talk about digestive rhythm. Heal from candida overgrowth, eczema, which by the way, I used to have really bad eczema until I fixed my gut, leaky gut, and a whole lot more. And to add on to that, guess what I found out today? She is a cook. She can teach you how to cook delicious, healthy meals. So that's going to that's gonna be a bonus for you. So you're going to love this episode. But I digress a little bit because the issues I mentioned above, they're common, right? They're normal, but they're not optimal. And when I explain that, it's like common sense and good sense. Common sense is what we all accept, but good sense is knowing better. So we're, they're the common issues, but we're going to talk about good habits. So yes, you're going to love this episode. And with that being said, I'm not going to try the last name again. Let's welcome Ashley to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited to be here because I'm passionate about gut health. So I am a gut health specialist and actually emotional eating coach as well. So really looking at food through a different lens and not the lens of good or bad, but what is going to nourish me instead. And so I, I love the, yeah, this is completely my jam. So I'm really happy to be here. Let's get weird. <laughs> yes. Tell, yeah. Tell so, a, go ahead, Ashley. Tell us about yourself. Tell us your story. So I, I grew up with a lot of different health issues. I was that kid in elementary school that was sick often all the time, had pneumonia as a kid. There was a, a strange virus that went through the school that only like four or five people got. I got that sick with that when I was a child. My mom actually spent a lot of time in the emergency room with me as a baby because I constantly had ear infections. So she was always in the emergency room. They were trying to, you know, Tylenol wasn't working. Things weren't, weren't, uh, weren't working. So what they did in the eighties, which they don't do anymore is they took my tonsils and my adenoids out. And the reason why they don't do that anymore as a procedure, they do tubes in the ears instead. And they also do testing now for allergies. So this could have been an allergy to the detergents that my mom was washing clothes with, or maybe something else that was in either breast milk or formula or whatever I was being fed at the time. And so, so they do different tests now because as with 
medical science. When we know better, we do better. And so back in the 80s, what did they do? They took my tonsils and my adenoids out, which they don't anymore because it's a main part of your immune system. It's kind of the security guard to your body. And when those organs are removed, that part of your immune system is removed, it kind of just opens up the, the security gate and any virus, common cold, flu, anything like that can just waltz right in. So that was when I was four. I didn't actually start to feel better until I was 27. So from four years old to 27, I was sick every 10 to 14 days, just a cold, a flu, a sore throat. It always hit me in the throat, always a sore throat, got really swollen. Then it would go up into my ears. And that was my regular for that really long chunk of time. I did the math on that once. And it was something like on average, about 578 times in my life that I would have been taken out by a cold or a flu. So I was really sick a lot, but that was my normal. And it wasn't until I met my now husband and he, uh, we were living in Australia together. And he was like, you're sick all the time. And I remember thinking to him, what? No, I'm not. I was working in hospitality. I was also a nanny as well. So I was getting snotted on and sneezed on by little kids all the time. And my immune system was getting assaulted on a daily basis. So I was sick all of the time. And it got really, things got really, really bad in my late 20s. So I, I, had, I had no tonsils and adenoids. I grew up like most kids in the 90s sugary cereals, Pop-Tarts every once in a while, craft dinner, you know, all that stuff that people always idolize North America for. for. They're like, you guys have the best junk food. Like that can't even be considered food. That is nothing nutritional or beneficial in any of this stuff. We call it, it's called food, but it's actually considered a food-like substance. And so when, uh, so when I was, so that, that, you know, got me into my teenage years, I was one of those people who could eat a bag of fuzzy peaches in a movie while the trailers, while, you know, the trailers were on before the feature film would start, I'd hoon a whole bag of fuzzy peaches. I feel like I never had a sugar crash because I was constantly just eating sugar. And that really wreaked havoc on my system. And then fast forward to, you know, early 20s, constantly chasing eczema outbreaks all over my body with steroid cream. So some would pop up on my elbow and I'd curb that by putting a steroid cream on. Then it would pop up behind my knee. So then I would put a steroid cream on that and then my shin. And so I was constantly chasing these eczema outbreaks all over my body and never getting to the root cause of it, just stamping it out. And then, and then voila, it would pop up somewhere else on my body. So that was, that was really constant. I had, um, my scalp was always super itchy. So I actually used to wash my hair daily, a lot of the time with head and shoulders, because that's what, that's what <laughs> the commercials will tell you is that that's, that's the cure for this. You just use head and shoulders and then that goes away and then you no longer, and then you can wear black again, right? That was always the, the way that they portrayed that. And by the time I was 27, I was really, really in the middle of a health crisis. So I, I had just, I decided, well, I decided really early that, um, that university wasn't for me. I was one of those people who went right out of high school, realized really quickly that it wasn't for me. And when I was 19, I moved to New Zealand three months down there turned into a year. And I went down there with this bag of prescription and over-the-counter drugs because by the time I was 20 I needed to take something daily to either breathe so an inhaler or an antihistamine or an anti-inflammatory or something I was taking almost daily so that I could just survive so that I could breathe and so that I could survive and I remember a previous flatmate of mine saying to me I don't know 
if that's legal, if you have so many things in this bag of stuff. And, and I, I laugh about it now, but I, what I know now is that I was hurting and harming my liver every single time I took one of those. And that really taxed my whole entire body. So then there we are in my, I'm in my twenties, having a great time. You know, I was bartending. And then, so I was, I was awake until three, sometimes in the morning and eating pizza and drinking a lot of vodka and uh, living on the beach though, because I was in New Zealand and it was the best. And, and, but the whole time really not taking care of my body. And that was most of my twenties. And then by the time I hit 27, 28, things were getting really bad, really, really bad. So I, at one point, uh, so my part, my husband and I, we were ready to start a family and then I got pregnant, ended up having a miscarriage at 10 weeks. And then that really started to cascade and spiral into a health crisis. And at one, at the worst part of this, I had eczema for my hairline to my waistline. Everything I ate, I became allergic to. I had a list that was on my freezer. It was a loose leaf sheet of paper with a double column. And it had over 70 different foods that I knew would flare my eczema, that I knew would upset my digestion, that I knew didn't agree with my body. Uh, my hair was falling out. I was, uh, it was, it was quite bad. I remember avoiding people in the supermarket if I saw them. And if I did run into somebody that I had seen because the eczema was all over my face, I would just tell them that it, it was the summer. So I would just tell them that I had had a sunburn because I was so embarrassed of what I looked like. And the whole unfortunate part of this, so this was back in 14, in 2013, I had done my studies to, I went back to school, and my, my version of school, so something that I actually really enjoyed, I became a health coach through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And at the end of all of that, I was so excited, you know, I had my certificate, I felt finally accomplished, because I felt that I was so far behind, all of my other friends had graduated from university and had these careers. And I was just kind of like, I'm going to figure out what I want to do, but it's going to, it's going to matter. And it's going to be what I want to do. And I just had a different perspective on things. And I had this certificate. And then my hair started falling out. And then I was covered in eczema. And then because I couldn't eat anything, I was the lowest weight that I had been in my adult life. I was suffering so badly and only able to sleep for about three or four hours a night because at nighttime, according to the Chinese medicine clock between the hours of 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., that's when your liver kind of goes through its little reset. And so I would wake up every morning between 2 and 4 a.m. with with my, my liver would be waking up and my skin felt like it would be on fire. And so I would wake up in the middle of the night, scratching my skin. So I avoided going to sleep because I was always at risk of secondary infection because my eczema was so bad, was so, so bad. And I went to a number of Western medicine doctors. I went to three because I had, I saw my regular family doctor, then the doctor who was on who was my, then my regular family doctor went on holiday. So the backup doctor was there. I saw him about this. I saw, I went into a walk-in clinic. So I saw a number of doctors who all just said, you know, I don't, we don't know. We don't know what's going on with you, but if it's food related, then stop eating those foods, which I thought, okay, I'm about to only be able to survive on air and water. So that's not living. And oh, and, and another bigger part of this too, is that I had these three lumps in the side of my neck. And the doctor, I said, you know, I'm concerned about this. I have lost a number of great aunts and uncles from cancer. So if we're going to talk about things that run in the family, then this is something that's a little bit of an alarm bell for me. And he had said to me, and I'll never forget, he was like, oh, well, we'll just cut those out. 
And I said, can you test them first? Can you, you know, can we figure out what this is before you cut them out? Because I had spent months in hiding with the eczema all over my face that I didn't want to have something on my neck that would be the topic of conversations for the rest of my life. And he said, no, no, we cut, we cut now and then test later. And I thought this just doesn't add up to me. It doesn't make sense. Why can't we test this first? Is that just an extra step that, that they don't want to do? And so I finally just got to the point where I said, what can you do? And the doctor said to me, you know, Ashley, what's going on with you is bad, but it has to be worse in, in order for us to do any further investigating because we don't know whether or not to test you for lupus or MS or cancer in this part because nothing is really evident. You know, continue to take your antihistamine daily, continue to take the anti-inflammatory when you're experiencing that joint pain, continue to just not eat the foods that you're flaring up to, just do things this way. And that wasn't living to me. So I ended up finding help and relief through a functional medicine doctor, my homeopathic doctor, who took me from the worst health of my life and back to thriving within six weeks. Wow. That's crazy. And you just gave me a whole lot to unpack from what you just said. I don't, I, of course, I don't have the exact experience that you have or have had, but I've had similar experiences. Of course, you know, with my eczema, with my asthma and same similar situation with my doctor, but you gave me a whole lot to unpack. But a few things I just want to highlight from what you just said. First, I want to talk about nutrition. Most doctors do not study nutrition whatsoever. In fact, nutrition is an elective. It's kind of like taking an art class. Like even if, if it's nice, you want to learn an extra subject, go right ahead. I'm not knocking anybody who studies art. Don't come after me. I don't want any DMs on my Instagram, but I'm just saying that's really how it's treated. Like you, you want to learn it, go right ahead. But it's not pushed. It's not shown as recommended. It's an elective, which makes absolutely no sense. The the next thing is they don't look at the root causes, right? They look at, okay, if something happens, let's try this medicine. Let's try this pill. Let's see what happens. They don't know if it's going to work. You're, you're, you're a walking, breathing experiment because like, let's see if this happens. That doesn't work. Let's try something else. And then it's what happens. The first thing, the second thing you take, you might have to take a third thing to combat the side effects of the first thing that you took, right? So then that's become dangerous. So they, I'm not knocking Western medicine. If my, if I get shot, I have to go to the doctor. I'm not going to inhale some, you know, um, essential oils and think I'll be fine. That's not how this, this works, but it's for day to day ways of taking care of ourselves and maintenance. You can't wait. You can't focus on Western medicine. Western medicine should be on the emergency side of it, not for day to day. Now, I want to back up even a little bit before that, because this is where we really hurt ourselves. We don't know much about nutrition. We start taking these over-the-counter pills and medication, which come with 10,000 side effects. Then that's a gateway drug to being on medicine. So by the time you get to that point where you're, everything's are, things are really, really bad, or the doctor can figure out, oh, you definitely have this, you've been screwing up for the last 20 years or more, or 30 years, however. So then you're carrying all that baggage. And that's why when it hits you, it's like a snowball going down a mountain. And you can relate to that because you're in Canada. So do you guys have mountains? Yeah, mountains, right? <laughs> not where I am, about 14 hours driving west. So not close by. 
I'm really sure. Right, there we go. So it's like a snowball going down a mountain, right? So that's that's where we have to take control of ourselves. That's why we have to take control of our health. I always tell people, do not put your health in anybody else's hands. Because who's going to have your best interest but you? That's what happened with my asthma. That's what happened with my eczema. That's what happened with your eczema. Candida that we're going to talk about. And all the other health issues you have. So that's a powerful story. And I'm not going to digress anymore. I just want my audience to know, go back and listen to that story and think about it because it is really powerful. Thank you. I actually went, um, I contributed it to a book called Heal Yourself. About a year ago, I wrote it and I didn't realize how much emotion I still hadn't processed from that time in my life because writing it and typing it and reading it, I knew it was real because I lived through it and I experienced it, but reading it on paper brought up so much that I hadn't quite processed yet. And the miscarriage that led into this whole part of this, this really rough stage in my health, it ended with me regaining my health and getting pregnant with my son. So when you are going through these crisis moments, there's a lot that we just shut away. I deleted most of the photos from that period in my life because I never wanted to have the memory of it because it was awful, because it was horrible. In hindsight now, as someone who's running this business, I was like, oh, that would have been amazing to share more of my story, but I didn't want to remember it. I didn't want to relive it. It was awful. It was horrible. It affected my mental health, my physical health, my spiritual health, everything. And to be told constantly, I mean, I tell this to my clients all the time, you're the only person who has firsthand experience of what it's like living in your body. You're the only person. So when you go to a doctor and they tell you that your symptoms are not real, that they're that everything in your blood work is normal, like we are told constantly that we're normal and that we're average. And according to North American health standards, I don't want any people in my life or any clients that I have to have average North American health. I want everyone to have exceptional health. I want everyone to feel the best that they possibly can every single day without having to rely on asking outside. You have so much knowledge. Everyone has so much knowledge and power and wisdom on the inside, but we've been taught that we have to go outside to find what's best for us. Exactly. We always, yeah. So we really need to start questioning a lot of things that are going on to say that doesn't and anytime that something doesn't sit right then just ask more questions that's what I started to do and that was annoying to my western medicine doctors but it was listen and it was observed from through someone who practiced functional medicine if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck it might be a duck just think of it <laughs> that way you know something doesn't smell right you know they always you know they say the proof is in the pudding but something is wrong with our pudding because it doesn't smell right. It doesn't taste right. That That's not pudding. That pudding is spoiled and we need to just get rid of it and, and I don't know, make some more pudding or something. I don't know what the, they the just, methodology They just tried to there. add more sugar on it to make it taste good and then still force us to eat it. That's what happens. Exactly. And then here we go. Here comes the Zika Health Show, breaking all, all myths that are out there. So now we can talk about your story forever because your story is definitely powerful. But I want to talk about digestive rhythm when you say that i want to bring out my guitar and just start strumming right now but i'll save everybody i'll save everybody that for right in this particular episode so tell me about digestive rhythm what what is that why is it important 
In my practice, I refer to digestive health and hormone health as digestive rhythm and hormonal rhythm. And the reason why is because the, the moment that you say to someone, let's get your gut back in balance, let's get your hormones balanced, they just, they freeze because it takes a lot of work to get balanced and it takes even more work and stress to remain in that state and phase. And so I like to use the word rhythm instead because like you said, you know, strumming that guitar, whatever else, Things need to flow. And when you say the word balance, it just all of a sudden has this rigidity to it. It has this, there's there's too much you know, opposing force behind it because if you imagine balancing, someone on a balance beam trying to balance, they are struggling. That gymnast is so powerful and so strong, but they're still worried that they're gonna fall off. If you're up on a high beam, that's what's happening. So when you say to someone, let's get your hormone balanced, <laughs> your hormones balanced, or you know, sometimes you get to that point where someone's like, I'm so balanced, and you just want to push them over. <laughs> you just want to say, hey, listen, this isn't, it's it's really hard to attain, it's really hard to achieve, even harder to maintain. And I really love to use the word rhythm because it is a lot more user friendly. And so when it talk when I talk about digestive rhythm, that is supporting your digestion every single day in what fits your lifestyle, but from the perspective of nourishment. Same thing goes with hormones as well. So you get your gut digestive health, your gut health on track, most of the time hormones fall into line after that too. Because a lot of times Reeking, you know, a lot of times if gut health is really hurting and harming your body, your hormones are out of balance as well. So there's a word I'll just slip balance in there. But I, I use rhythm instead. I just think it, it just it feels less stressful. <laughs> what I like about rhythm too is that everything has to work together. It's like if I'm playing, for example, I'm playing a song. If I strike a D and I'm supposed to strike a C, it doesn't sound right. It has to work together. And that's the same thing with your digestion. It all has to work together. And that's why when I'm doing an assessment, someone asked me, should I, be, should I do keto? Should I take enzymes? Should I do this? Should I do that? I'm like, no, you need to teach, train your body to work together. Once you've done everything that you can do, then we can talk about those excess things. But if you can't do, your body can't do the basics, then you can't talk about those bigger things that would be maybe the last five, 10% of the journey, right? So like for me, I cycle ketosis, but when I was first improving my health, I didn't go on keto. My body didn't have the enzymes to break down fat and God knows what other issues I would have created, but I didn't, you know, but I took out inflammatory foods out of my diet, adding more anti-inflammatory foods into my diet. I, I exposed myself to sunlight in nature. I spent more time meditating, reducing stress, and so a million other things. I have an entire episode on how I improve my gut. And now I cycle ketosis. Now I go through moments of high, um, high, you know, high carb. There are times I do zone two training. There are times I do high intensity training. But now I'm at the, I wouldn't say the end, but I'm towards the part where I've taken care of the basics. And we have to work on the basics first, teach our bodies to work together. And as our bodies work together, then you start to feel a difference. You start to have more energy and then you can start improving on that. It's like building a house, but you want to build the top of the house and the roof of the house, but you don't want to build the base of the house. Or if or the, the house is not solid, it's built on sand instead of a rock. Water comes in and flood comes in and that's the end of the house, right? Uh, for, apparently I'm not a carpenter, so I don't know if that's even possible, but 
<laughs> that those Sounds are the right. the, yeah. the weird analogies that come to my head when I talk. So you get you get you get the um you get the exposure to my to my weirdness pretty much is what's going on right now. Or maybe it's the wine, who knows. But <laughs> so <laughs> now let's let's dive in a little bit more. Leaky gut. I've talked about it a lot. I've healed my gut. That's what helped me with my health issues and help with yours as well. So what is leaky gut? What really is leaky gut and how does it impact our health? Yeah, leaky gut is something that um, you can talk to some Western medicine doctors about leaky gut now and they're, they're not going to understand. They're not going to really know. So leaky gut is this condition where, and I do this at every single talk that I do. So your gut linings usually are like this. And leaky gut just simply means that there's been some, you know, there's some space in those junctions. And we don't want that to happen because when our, so our, our skin has seven layers on it. Our digestive system has about three main ones and the top one being skin after that, it's just different muscular levels. And so we don't have we have a lot of protection on the outside of our body, but what we don't think about very regularly is the food that we eat is actually still, even though it's inside of our body, it's still stuff from the outside world that's going in there. So we need to make sure that we're protecting those layers. And what leaky gut is, is just it's intestinal permeability, which means that there is leaks and junction breaks and, and, uh, and parts that are not working functionally. So you said earlier about, I always talk about the foundation. The foundation of our health starts in our gut. You want to talk about building a house. You don't have a solid foundation. You got nothing. And I loved how you said when it talk, when you talk about rhythm means that everything has to work together. That's the same thing too. I find that when things come up in health, a doctor will try to just fix that one point and forget that the body works together. The body is one functioning thing that I I have um, I I have a now a better much better relationship with my body than I used to as a teenager. You know I didn't eat as much as I needed to. I, I moved a lot more. You want to talk about calories in, calories out? Very toxic. Very 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 poor way of taking care of myself. And so if you don't have that foundation then leaky gut is going to sink in. And so leaky gut can be caused by a number of different, different issues in the body. A lot of times it's candida overgrowth. A lot of times it's a diet that's filled with sugar. A lot of times it's people who take a lot of Tylenol and Advil. It's just, it's kind of the, um, the crap storm that's created when you are not taking care of your body. And leaky gut not only lets toxins from the food that you're eating, but it also lets parasites and viruses and germs, bacteria, all that stuff that survives the stomach acid goes into your digestive system and then just goes straight into your bloodstream. So for me, for example, the reason why I went from having... I, I, had, I was a little sensitive to sesame seeds and a little sensitive to cranberries before my health crisis. And then after this, there was the over 70 different foods that I couldn't eat because everything I ate, I would digest, it would go into my gut. And then those whole food particles would go into my bloodstream. So my body would be like, alert, alert. There's something here that's not supposed to be. And so I, I had these issues and the body detoxes in one of three ways. Some people either have a constant nasal drip where they're constantly having to blow their nose or, you know, they, they have those issues. Some people 
go to the bathroom. You know, they got to run to the toilet because something's not agreeing with them. And then that's, so that's another way to detox. And the third way, which is the way that my body, unfortunately, was working was through the skin because it's our biggest organ. So a lot of times when there's some issues going on in the body, you're going to detox in one of those three ways. The nasal drip is annoying. Running to the bathroom is annoying. Skin issues are annoying. But when there's something going on in the body, the body, the body is really intelligent. And she wants to be as healthy as she possibly can. But if you have leaky gut, there's going to be a bunch of other issues that happen from there and stem from there. See, I have to tell my body when I wake up every day, you're intelligent. You're very intelligent. You can do this. Yeah, and but, you thank know, you, you for keeping me alive up until this point. We we tell we have to tell ourselves, you know, that gratitude is just so important because we've all lived through something that is amazing or incredible. And we need to say, you know, thank you for getting me here because we, we, you know, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our body. And just a FYI, because guests do this sometimes because it is an audio show. So when, when Ashley said like this, then everybody know that she was putting her fists together to show the tight junction of your gut, just a FYI. So imagine your fists coming together and it's creating a tight junction. That's a healthy gut. Yeah. I might just put a picture of that on the, I don't know, on my Instagram or something, but you're right. Those tight, those tight junctions are important and they're, they're a protective barrier. And even now, I had a, a episode that's two weeks before this episode, two or three weeks before the episode, when I talked with Dr. Tanya. And the first time she was introduced to leaky gut was with through my Instagram. And she was like, why are you talking about leaky gut? And she's an MD. And she said, why are you talking about leaky gut? And I, because there wasn't a lot of science around it at the time. And I told her, I said, well, I follow certain doctors, certain practitioners like Dr. Stephen Gundry and so on and so forth. And she started doing her research. And now years later, she is, she, she, part of her practice is healing leaky gut. And she explains that as a medical doctor, they don't teach these things. She has to do her own research. And something else too, I want to start off because I, this annoys the heck out of me. I have a headache. Let's take a pill. Let's take Excedrin. Let's take a, that, that, that annoys the heck out of me because the, the rhythm again, whenever you, something is, you have a headache, it's a sign that something is off your body. It could be a hormonal issue. It could be a lack of sleep. It could be caused by leaky gut. It could be SX inflammation. There's so many things that could be going on there. And by taking the pill, you're covering the symptom and then creating more problems. Jerry Seinfeld said something years ago, and I never really got it. It was funny, but I never really understood it until I started studying health. He said that we move from strength to extra strength to maximum strength. So it's like, figure out what will kill me and then just back it up a little bit. And that's really what happens when we take these pills, right? So it may not kill you now, but it's killing a lot of things in your body that your body needs to function. And then why you wonder that eventually you have to take more and more and our headaches become migraines and, you know, your body just becomes so hypersensitive to it because you, you're giving it more than it, you're giving it more than it needs and your body gets used to it. But if you fix your nutrition, you change your lifestyle, just start making small gradual changes. You work with health coaches, figure finding ways to eat and live your life where you feel amazing, where you're not starving yourself, that's where the money is. And that's where we're missing. And that's why I have experts like Ashley on the show because 
this 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 means so much to me. It's hard for me to really explain. I could talk about it all night because we need to take care of ourselves. Now, leaky gut, you introduced it. Wonderful description. Thank you very much. Now, how is that connected to autoimmune diseases? Yeah, this is, um, again, you know, the, the science is a little slow on explaining this in terms that I guess are more accepted by Western medicine. I really liked how you talked about the, um, the, the connection. So you take a pill, you take a pill to get rid of the symptom that automatically creates more disconnect from your body because your body is saying, hey, listen, I'm sending you this signal right now. I need you to know that something is, is not well. And you taking that pill is just like saying, oh no, I'm just gonna ignore you. I'm just gonna set it aside. And then what happens is, and a lot of times in my practice, I find this is that people come to me after experiencing signals and signs and symptoms in their body for years that they've been ignoring. And they're so disconnected from their body at this point, and they're so in, uncomfortable, and they're in constant pain, and it's in a chronic, they're in a state of chronic unwell. And that is what we need to avoid doing. Like you said, why, why, is my, why do I have a blazing headache? Maybe I didn't get enough sleep last night. Maybe I need to drink some water. Maybe, you know, there's, there's a number of things that you can do before you get to that extra strength, maximum strength. This is, and everything, all of those things are just, your liver is like, no, I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that at all. But when it comes to leaky gut and autoimmune diseases, so what, um, there, there are just over 80 autoimmune diseases that are known right now. And an autoimmune disease is where, I guess, the layman's term would be where the body attacks itself. So things like Hashimoto's is the thyroid attacking itself. Things like celiac, it's the gut that gets really angry, um, type 1 diabetes. So the top two autoimmune diseases are celiac disease and type uh, type 1 diabetes. And so what happens and what that means is that there are there's this disconnect from the body. And what we need to do is we need to figure out how to first heal the gut so that these things don't happen. But the reason why it's so connected to that is because a lot of times when the gut is under stress, when the gut is unwell, the body's trying to fix and repair that. And when we can't, when the body is focused on something and needs to repair, other things fall to the wayside. So if the body is trying to fix and repair the gut, the hormonal system's not going to have its a good rhythm. The thyroid is trying to control what's going on. So an overactive thyroid trying to control things more, then the body, you know, then then different hormones come in and kind of mess that up a little bit too. So these are so closely linked because a lot of diseases begin in the gut. A lot of things are stemmed from things like leaky gut and a, an imbalanced gut. And so we need to be more aware that a lot of these autoimmune conditions are caused by, and, and not to ever say that someone, you know, no one purposefully wants to give themselves celiac. No one wants to give themselves diabetes or MS or lupus or any of that. But if we could come to the realization that a lot of this can be stopped, full stopped by going back and healing the gut and getting to the root cause of this, then it's not going to spiral into anything else because there's now studies that say you've got one autoimmune disease, you probably have two, and most likely you're going to have three at some point. And this isn't to be, I mean, it's alarming for people, especially if you're currently living through and working through uh, trying to figure out life with one autoimmune disease. It just means that 
you are now more susceptible for something else to happen. And I'm tired of living in a world that says, you know, one in three chances of this, one in four chances of this. How about we take a step back and say, okay, what can we do to avoid this? So instead of shocking and alarming and panicking everybody, why don't we see how we can help the body? What are great foods for thyroid health? How do I heal my gut and, and avoid this? How do I support my body now that I have been given this celiac diagnosis? How do we look through it from a different angle and larger perspective than what's given to us here in North America. This is a weight management show, not a weight loss show. And sometimes people confuse that because it's not a weight loss show. If it's a weight loss show, I'm going to tell you to go eat a thousand calories, eat a thousand calories, ride for five hours, and then you'll be fine. But it's not a weight loss show. It's a weight management show. And I want to stress that because the Zika Health Show, we focus on improving your health. Because once you improve your health, then you can start losing weight. Or when not say losing weight, losing body fat and managing your weight, especially as you age. Now, with that being said, you mentioned leaky gut, autoimmunity, and then you mentioned diabetes, type 1 and type 2 diabetes. That's huge. It's so big that we need to realize that diabetes is connected in many ways to gut issues, leaky gut. And don't take my word for it. You can find the studies now. You, everybody know how much I love PubMed studies. You can find them on PubMed. Excess inflammation, oxidative stress, which are linked to sarcopenia, the loss of lean muscle as you age. Guess what? It's linked to a leaky gut. So if you want, if you're thinking, if you tried every diet known to man and it's nothing is working or nothing is sustainable, take a look at your gut. And that's why the Zika Health Show is a weight management show, not a weight loss show. Because the weight loss show, I can just throw in one or two episodes and I wouldn't be where I am right now. So yes, the, the gut plays such an important role. And I want to paint this picture. Sometimes I'm, I'm really, really bad at this. So I hope nobody logs off at this point. But let's say the idea of autoimmunity. So let's say someone comes up to me and has a gun. And I don't know, I'm, I, let's say I'm a quick draw. So I quick draw, shoot, and boom, he dies, right? That person shows up, he has one victim. I quick draw, I kill him because I know, I'm, I'm blank shot. I'm just that good. But then as time goes along, that person starts to come with two victims, then three victims, and four victims. Eventually, it's going to be harder for me to catch the bad guy, to shoot the bad guy, no matter how good I am because there's so many good victims there. So that's what happens in our bodies. And I've, I've, I've heard that explanation from a doctor where I kind of paraphrase a little bit, but that's one of my favorites because your body starts to attack, trying to attack the bad guys, but now it also kills the good guys mm. because it doesn't know what what. And then when you kill both, you then start to have to create a bunch of other health problems. And that's why the health of your gut is important and protecting the good, healthy bacteria in your gut is important. And that's why it says you have more chances of this. If you get one autoimmune um, disease, there are chances of two or three, maybe even four. You know why? Because your body is always attacking itself and it doesn't know who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. 95% of your immune system, guess where it is? In your gut. So there you go. That's why I'm so passionate about this, because these are things that we need to know. So thank you so much, Ashley. 
Oh, you're welcome. And I love how, uh, so you brought up how well, antibiotics, I grew up on antibiotics. Most kids of the eighties and the nineties did. Now we're realizing that we've been over, over or prescribing kids, these things. And what, the, so that is one of the reasons why I had leaky gut so bad because I had no antibiotics don't discriminate. They wipe out the good and the bad. That's what they do. They also have a purpose. So by the time I was four years old, I had, I, I can't even tell you, I've had dozens and dozens of rounds of antibiotics in my life. I haven't in the past few, I, and I don't have them frequently at all anymore, thankfully, but I'm really proud to say I've got two kids, they're three and six, they're little germ factories. And I'm so proud of the fact that they both have never been on an antibiotic before. And a lot of that has to do with their foundational, their base health. Because what antibiotics do, and again, if there was ever an issue, I am not going to solve that problem with an essential oil either. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that if they need an antibiotic, then they're going to get one. But then I'm going to support their body after to help replenish the bacteria that was wiped out. So we have this knowledge now. And there's only just some doctors that are just starting to say, okay, you know, take an antibiotic, then take this probiotic afterwards. Then let's help replenish that a little bit. But there's still not a whole lot of doctors who are sharing that. And that's where we need to start realizing that there's there's recovery from the good stuff, which is antibiotics, that we need to make sure that we're implementing as well as a part of overall health. And even before I get to antibiotics, because it's our immune system is our first line of defense, or you can say our gut, but our immune system is our main line of defense. That's our quick draw, right? Our immune system starts to attack us because it doesn't know what's good or what's bad. And then you drop this bomb of antibiotics and you just destroy everything. It's kind of like Hiroshima or something. Like that's what's going on in your gut. Think about poof. Think about that cloud, right? That's what's happening in your body. Dr. Tanya, she mentioned um, antibiotic um, sensitivity, resistance, sorry, antibiotic resistance, and how your body can become so accustomed to antibiotics, it doesn't even respond to it anymore. Yeah. Think about that. So mind blown when she told me that, because actually that's the first time I actually I've ever heard of antibiotic resistance, but it made such sense. And I love the fact there are doctors like her who are still MDs, but are incorporating the nutrition and the health and the holistic piece into her practice and their health coaches like Ashley. Yes. Now, leaky gut. We talked about it a lot now, but I know there's a test for it. How do you test for it? So my, you, there's a couple of different ways you can. Um, so the IIG the food testing. So food for food sensitivities, there's certain ways that you can test my doctor. I didn't diagnose myself. I saw a doctor to do this. She was a homeopathic doctor. We did a, a food sensitivity test. So we, you know, prick my finger, dry blood test uh, to see what I was sensitive to. If you have, there's, there's kind of a checklist and we can go over the checklist for candida as well, but the checklist for, uh, for leaky gut is, you know, do you have a lot of food sensitivities? Is that something that is is present in your body? Another one as well is uh, checking in to see how much inflammation you have in your body. There's a stool test as well that you can do to see how much or whether or not there's a good balance or whether I, ah, the word balance, but whether or not there's a good amount of good bacteria or whether or not your stool is really filled with pathogenic bacteria. So there are ways to 
find out these things along with other tests as well. So there's you you don't have to think that there's a, this is just something that you know I'm not just pulling this saying oh I think I might have leaky gut. There was a there was a, a bunch of questions that my doctor had asked me. I checked unfortunately all of the boxes from that. So at that point for myself she didn't go ahead and order any extra tests or additional tests for me because it was pretty clear that this was the issue in my body. What test were you talking about in particular for leaky gut? Just in general, I've, I've never tested for a leaky gut, but I've been, uh, I've heard practitioners mention that they can test to see if you are suffering from leaky gut. So not necessarily candida itself, but to see whether or not you, you have impermeated your gut. Yeah, yeah. And so you, but there, there are uh, same thing with, you know, side effects when it comes to functional medicine. So I, I like tests. I think that they're great because it gives me insight. I try to get my blood work done every six months so that I can get insight and see where I'm maybe lacking nutritionally. So if I need to have more vitamin D, if I need to have, you know, up my B12, if I need to figure out what's going on with my ferritin and my iron storages. So I like that kind of data to collect so that I can see where I can nutritionally support my body so that I can be in exceptional health. When it comes to things like candida, when it comes to things like um, leaky gut up here in Canada, you can go to a functional medicine practitioner. So a naturopath, a homeopathic doctor, but those tests are going to cost you a lot of money. So what we like to do and what we like to avoid necessarily is not, you know, all of a sudden handing over $500 to do a few tests. So the checklist is what, what I, I find a lot of people up here anyway, go through just to see whether or not they're suffering from it. If they want that test and that proof, then you can go ahead and order it. But a lot of times people don't do that up here anyway. That makes a lot of sense to me because if, like with my asthma, I knew I had a leaky gut. I didn't know to. I didn't need to go to a doctor to figure that out. Just by you know my, my what I learned, my experiences, the books that I read, I knew I had a leaky gut. So I don't. I didn't need to spend the five hundred dollars to confirm it. So I, I love that because then you're pointing at the symptom is there, and if the symptom is there, then it usually comes down to your gut anyway. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's not gonna hurt fixing your gut. I want to make one clarification though. I want to make one clarification because I think on my analogy, I was, I, I was a little off. So I was thinking about this with the immune system, right? So you have, I'm quick draw. That's the immune system. I have the bad guy has one good hostage, but then as the bad guys increase, which is the bad bacteria, it's hard to, to, to know who is the good person. Mm. And the immune system starts to fire and then it kills the good people and the bad people. That's a better analogy. I just want to make sure I clarify that. Yes. You know? Okay. So here's, here's my analogy. I have two kids. They're both boys. So a lot of times when I talk about things, it has to do with trains, cars, trucks, that kind of thing. So if you imagine your gut as a parking lot, it's got a hundred spaces. You want 85 to 90 of those spaces to be filled with different strains and strands of good bacteria. And then maybe 15 to 10% to be things that are pathogenic. Why? Because they need to be present there in order for your digestive system to have its rhythm. If you go any lower than 80 of those parking spots being, you know, filled with good bacteria, that's where you're going to start to get more colds and flus, have more digestive upset, be more prone to leaky gut. But the second that you take an antibiotic, you're going to wipe that down by by chunks right by at least 10 at a time each time you take one of those pills so 
you have to be very mindful that you're not like pathogenic bacteria. There's stuff all over our skin right now. We've got microbiomes. A lot of times people are like, oh, this so this microbiome that's in your gut. You've got a microbiome in between your toes, in your armpits, in your nose, in your ear. Microbiomes are all over the body, but the one that gets the most attention is the gut because you can directly help to repopulate that. But the thing about all the microbiomes in the body is your your you've got your digestive rhythm in your gut. Your the, all the other rhythms with all the other microbiomes are going to be good as well. I prefer your analogy. Thank you very much. Now we've talked about leaky gut. We talk about autoimmunity, inflammation, all that stuff, right? And we hint on candida. And I really want to talk about this. What is candida overgrowth? Why is that bad for us? So candida is uh, is present in everyone's body. Everyone has it. It's something that a lot of people hear it and they're like, oh my gosh, candida, what, what is this? It's actually meant to be in our digestive system so that when we pass away, it gets into our body to help our body break down. So we all have candida. We all have these specific strains of candida in our body, but candida is opportunistic, which is a great word to say. I'm glad I didn't quite stumble over it this time. So what it does is it waits for the perfect opportunity, the perfect environment for it to take over. And what it does then is it can then... so. I've seen these pictures before, I don't know if you have as well, where the candida organism itself, and I'm using my hands again, so you have to explain, so I can explain to you. Use your imagination, people, use your imagination. Yeah, candida, so it looks like a jellyfish. It's floating around, it's in your digestive system, but it has these, do jellyfish eat tentacles? You know, they have these things, and what they do is they burrow into the side of your gut. And so they are, they stay there, they've got a good root system and they stay there in your gut, just wreaking havoc. And candida overgrowth looks different in a lot of different people's bodies. So for me, it was uh, it was an itchy scalp. It was constantly just like itchy skin issues, acne, acne down my chin line. Um, just really, it was, it was awful. It was uncomfortable. You just don't feel right in your own skin because you feel like your skin is crawling all of the time. Candida overgrowth for me, why is it bad? Because when it gets into your bloodstream, it tries to shut your body down while you're living. I guess that's that's the best way to paint a picture of it. It is there again. So it can go from being manageable. So if it's, you know, in that parking garage out of the hundred spaces, if it has a couple, that's good. The good bacteria keeps it in check. Anytime you have that, um, anytime you have the antibiotic, stress affects good bacteria. Um, processed foods affects the good bacteria in your gut. Chlorinated, chlorinated water as well. A lot of people realize they're like, oh, you know, I'm taking, I'm sipping out of this um, bottle of water. That's great too. A lot of bottled water is tap water. So if there's chlorine in it, that's present. That's also not great for the gut either. And so once candida becomes opportunistic, then it gets into the whole body system and it just, it sucks. That's the only way. I don't like to use that word, but it is awful. It's not good. You're telling me I'm not supposed to drink chlorine. I, I learned that now. So because my plan after this, I was going to go to the bathroom and just take a whole chug of chlorine and just have fun. But apparently I'm not supposed to do that. So thank you for saving my life. <laughs> now, filtered water, filtered water or spring water is even better. There we go. I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go that route. I think I'm going to go that route. The, that way, you know, the Zika Health Show keeps going and, you know, I'm, I, people are not mourning my death because I, I think there's some people who love me, but I don't know how many there really are. <laughs> now, now, what are some ways to naturally treat candida overgrowth? 
Candida overgrowth can be, um, so there's sometimes when I got my, um, the blood test done to see what I reacted to food wise, they also expanded it to see what was going on with me candida wise and candida is really clever. So what it does is when you kill it, when it dies, so you can kill it within a few different antifungals, which I'll get into in a moment. But what it does is it expels a couple of dozen toxins. And so your body thinks, oh, wait, we need this. We're killing something that's vital to our survival. Killing this is bad because it essentially is a, a little bit of a poison. So when it dies, even though you're killing it, so the overgrowth isn't there and is strong, it still is affecting you because of the toxins. Now, a lot of times people are not necessarily allergic to candida, but they're allergic to the toxins, which if you think about it, we all could probably benefit from being allergic to toxins because they're not good for the body. And so we really, so a lot of times people start with these candida cleanses or they start to introduce antifungal foods, then they feel like crap. So they stop. So there's this, this reaction called the Herxheimer reaction. And that is a, it's simply, I guess, to put it into layman's terms is you feel worse before you feel better. So you go through this phase where there's massive die-off and a large population of candida is getting eradicated. And then if you imagine all of that poison, all the junk is expelled from it, it's floating around your body. So a way to avoid that is to just eat some more high fiber foods. Sometimes people say psyllium husk is the best to help the fiber to help actually eliminate and drink a lot of water and rest and rest. So antifungal foods are garlic. Garlic is a great thing to have on a regular basis. Some people can't have raw garlic because it affects their stomachs, gives them acid reflux, that kind of thing. See if roasted helps. A lot of people don't like the taste of garlic, so they, they try to avoid that. You don't have to have garlic all of the time, but it's something that really helps to get on top of that. It's a really great antifungal. Coconut oil is incredible. Coconut oil has an, not an ingredient, but a part of it is called caprylic acid. So that caprylic acid is a candida's worst nightmare. So a lot of times when you are, if you purchase the candida cleansing kit at the grocery store, step one is going to be your caprylic acid. So they usually do it in a, in a liquid form. And then a step two, you're going to be taking probably some activated charcoal because it's going to go through and it's going to absorb the toxins from the die-off reaction so that you actually can complete the 14 days or however long these kits are. And then there's going to be a fiber component, which is usually psyllium husk. And I've, I've done candida cleanses before in the past previously to when I was really sick. And I noticed that it came out through my nose. I had this weird, like, almost an eczema patch around my nose in between my fingers got super itchy in my ears. A lot of times people don't realize that at, at candida overgrowth, if you eat something and you feel like, you know, you can't get a Q-tip in your ear more like far enough because you have really itchy ears. That is sometimes uh, can be a sign of, of your ear microbiome being out of whack, but also candida overgrowth. So when it comes to, when it comes to antifungals, coconut oil, and, uh, and uh, actually oregano is really great as well and garlic. So those three are really great to help maintain candida. Or, um, you know, the once you've eradicated it from your system, those are really good maintenance tools when it's, um, and, and to be, to make sure that you're supporting your liver because your liver is going to be clearing out the dead stuff, the junk. So you want to always, we got to be supporting our liver on a daily basis, but specifically when you're going through these candida cleanses and you don't have to, go out and purchase kits if you want to do this. It's just really, it's a pretty strict diet. 
you know, you're going to go through, you're not going to have any dairy, you're not going to have any gluten, you're completely cutting out processed sugar, there's going to be no vinegars, unless it's apple cider vinegar, because vinegar creates a pH balance in the body that candida loves and candida thrives in, you're going to cut out citrus fruits, because a lot of times the peels of those have mold on them, you're going to cut out most nuts for the first little while, same thing as well, a lot of legumes, peanuts, that kind of thing, they have two, two separate sides, here, let me see my hands again, they're, you know, they're the middle part, can get um, can get moldy every once in a while. And you want to make sure that you're not consuming any extra mold during that time so that you can really get your body ready to, to get rid of candida. So I'm not supposed to eat mold. There we go. I learned something else today. <laughs> now, Some cheeses in moderation, but not, not, not more than that. Okay. So I'm not going to eat moldy food. That's, that's, that's duly noted. That's ticked off on my list. So you, but you started off with fiber. And I want to quickly talk about fiber because fiber, in my opinion, is the fourth macronutrient. And most of us in the world are fiber, fiber deficient. My carnivore friends and I argue about this all the time. I eat a primarily carnivore diet, but I get a lot of fiber in my diet. Fiber feeds your healthy bacteria in your large intestine, in your colon. You need to do that. You need to increase yeah. your good bacteria. Best way to increase it is, is pre prebiotic fiber. It's yeah. like when someone takes probiotics first of all when you take probiotics that's just dumb to me unless you absolutely have to because you can you can eat fermented foods you can you can eat bitter foods that are great for your for your for your gut and which provides probiotics for your gut but when you take probiotics first of all you don't know if they're live culture probiotics and then you don't know if they survive the acidic nature of your gut so you don't know what you're taking it could be pissing your money away for all you know but then you take probiotics, but you don't eat fiber. So even if they're good probiotics, you're not feeding them. So they're not going to survive anyway. Who's, what's going to survive, survive if you don't feed it? But then you eat all this processed food that's devoid of fiber, but filled with our good friend, Mr. Sugar, that feeds the bad bacteria in our small intestine, feeds candida, the, um, goes to mitochondria pathways one, three, four, and five, which are high oxidative stress, high inflammation pathways. Not saying sugar is bad. Sugar, carbs in moderation cycle, we can have a whole discussion on that. But as a society, we eat way too much of that crap. Oh, and it's sure. something that we need to we need to diminish. Yeah. So now, I'm Canadian. So I, I love maple syrup. <laughs> is that a stereotype? Maybe, but it's something that we use frequently in the house. But when you are when you are feeding candida constantly, when you are not having enough fiber, you're right, prebiotics. So some people, some people take probiotics specifically just after antibiotics so that they can help to reseed because that's what they think. Again, it's still that pill culture of, oh, you, you know, I, I took some pills, so now I'm going to take some more pills to fix the, what the pills did to me. And that's okay too, but you're right. The, when you take one bottle of probiotics, those, probi those good bacteria don't stay in your gut forever. They don't. You can feed them all the prebiotics that you want to, but they still have a life cycle. And so most of the time with your stool, about 60% of that can actually be 
dead bacteria that's just you know they were they had that parking spot in your in your gut but then they have a life cycle they leave too at some point so you can't just think that you have one jar of sauerkraut and you're good forever that's not how it works this has to be consistent it has to be consistent we need to i constantly challenge my clients to try to eat 10 different mainly vegetables and fruit on a regular basis on a daily basis if they can because variety is key you can't just you know, commonly in North America, everyone's grocery carts have bananas, apples, oranges, maybe cucumbers and broccoli. Like there's there's five or six that people have constantly all of the time. But overall health, you know, now we're just starting to talk about the importance of eating the rainbow, making sure that there's a variety because that's really, really important. And that fiber is what keeps our, our good bacteria alive. Excellent. And you know what? I drink some things that will make a grown man's stomach turn. And to me, they, they're delicious. They're bitter. And I have my, and I, I think kombucha is delicious. I don't understand anyone who thinks kombucha is disgusting. I don't know what you're drinking, but I've had my friends drink kombucha and say, how do you like this? This is gross. And I'm like, that's not even half as bad as some of the stuff I drink. You probably throw up if you drink some of the stuff I drink, but I drink really bitter things and I enjoy really bitter foods because my, because my, my gut is healthy. Now, when my gut wasn't healthy, that wasn't the case. Mm. This has been a fantastic episode, and I learned some stuff. I won't drink bleach, and I will poop out some probiotics, and um, just try to take care of my gut overall, right? Oh, so yeah. thank you so much. This is a fantastic episode. Um, I know how to contact you. I know you pretty well, but let my audience know how can they get in touch with you. So everybody can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is quaint underscore, underscore traditions. I am constantly posting recipes. I am currently living in what feels like the Arctic tundra up here in Canada. So if you want to see what 10 feet of snow in a backyard looks like, there's a lot of that going on there too. My website is www.quainttraditions.com. I'm going to start offering some more online cooking classes. It's a really big part of what I do too, really nurturing the connection between people and food, where food comes from, really showing people that it's possible to grow food. And even if you have a limited amount of space. And then on Facebook, I am Ashley Farrison Health Coach. So Farrison spelled P-H-A-R-A-Z-Y-N. And uh, so that's where I am daily. That's where I hang out. You said Zed. That's awesome. That's uh, British English. I'm from Jamaica. We say Zed as well. I remember the first time somebody asked me to spell my middle name, Zico, and I said Z-E, and they're like, no, really? I'm like, no, it's Zed. And I didn't realize that the disconnect there. But anyway, I digress a little bit. Her contact information will be in the show notes, which, of course, the show notes will be in the description of the podcast. The show notes can be zikahealth.com slash Ashley P. People are familiar with my pattern by now. I'm not very creative with my show notes. And thank you very much, Ashley. This was a fantastic episode. My audience has learned a lot. I've learned a lot. Oh, and the last thing I'm going to say, I learned. There are mountains in Canada. So there we go. Just enlighten me all over the place. So enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Zico Health Show. If you got good quality content out of this episode, save subscribe and share it out there with family friends co-workers or anybody who needs to hear this information remember always take the scenic route 
and enjoy the ride.